Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, January 25th, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, we are coming to folks on January 24th, obviously. We're recording on the 24th. Today is my parents' wedding anniversary. They unfortunately... Yes, indeed. They unfortunately got the worst possible gift they could. They are both currently positive for COVID. Yeah. Uh, I... I feel like my dad had it once before. My mom had not had it, which is crazy because my mom works in a hospital. Um, but they both have it. Same my- with mine. Yeah. But, um, well, our parents are very different people, to be fair. Uh, yeah, we won't get into the political <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. leanings of our, of our fa- familial trees. Uh, although, we will just say, I'm very close with my parents. You are not as close with your mother. So- yeah, and I'm not as close with my dad. Not uh, even in contact with my mother how about that yeah there you go you said it not me um but yeah so uh i am gonna try to find some some ways to get them some stuff and uh take over some dinner and and balloons and stuff for their anniversary since all of their plans for this past weekend were were canceled and they are home recuperating now fortunately neither of them is in too bad of straits but they are uh, still recovering and quarantining and all that stuff. So send out the best to my parents. Yeah, 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 cute. (laughs) Um, If they want to hear me talk about how much I love them on the podcast, on their actual anniversary, they would have to do it by going to patreon.com slash broadwayvideo, broadwayvideo.com, because this episode (laughs) comes out the evening before it hits the regular feed, as always. But the 24th was also a very big day for other reasons, Ashley. And that was because yes. depending on where you live, either at 830 on the East Coast or 530 on the West Coast, which I or don't understand why they do that. I crawled out of bed. Yeah. <laughs> that too. I watched the 95th Annual Academy Award nominations live on Disney Plus, and they were announced by recent Oscar winner Riz Ahmed and Allison Williams erstwhile Peter Pan live and one of the stars of (laughs) the breakout horror film Megan or Mathrigan if you want to be specific about it and uh They've already greenlit to the sequel. So the sequel is going to be coming out in a couple years. Yep. Um, of January. Yep. But as always, there were a ton of theater stars who were nominated both in acting and writing categories and others. The big one for me, um, mainly because I don't think this was something that was expected. We'll talk about the ones that were expected. Yes. But Brian Tyree Henry being nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Causeway is yeah. incredible. He has become one of the best actors in any medium. Obviously, he made his first big splash on Broadway as playing General Buttfucking Naked in the original Broadway cast of Book of Mormon. He then, of course, appeared opposite Chris Evans in, um, in Lobby Hero. So, and then went on to star in one of the best TV shows of all time, Atlanta, and now, of course, is nominated for what is essentially a two-hander play opposite Jennifer Lawrence and Causeway, which is available to stream on Apple TV+. Plus. So that was very exciting. There were some others that were not as surprising to me, but were still kind of exciting. Stephanie Hsu was nominated for Best Supporting Actress for her performance Yay, in Everything Everywhere All at correct. Once. Correct. That was one of those things where, like, people were hoping for it and thought she could, but she really hadn't been nominated yeah, in a, a lot of the hope. precursor awards. Yeah. Um, but people were talking about it and she was obviously one of um, four actors from that, uh, from that film that were nominated. She was nominated in the same category as her co-star, Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, 
her the people who played her parents, Michelle Yeoh was nominated for Best Actress, and uh, uh, Ki Hu Kwan, who plays her father, was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. So that was great. A ton of other nominations for Everything Everywhere All at Once, which is by no means a theater related movie, but it kind of feels like it with the scope and the weirdness yes, it does. that it, it feels theatery. Um, but some other theater related ones. Uh, Brendan Fraser was nominated for Best Actor for his role in the screen adaptation of The Whale. Paul Meskel, who we've talked about quite a bit here recently because of Marilyn Monroe, he was nominated for Best Actor for his performance in After Sun. I think that was a surprising one, too. I saw a lot of hope from, including theater people, hoping for his nomination, but not thinking he was going to get nominated. Very surprised today. Yeah, After Sun didn't get a ton of love. It was kind of one of those dark horses for maybe a Best Mm -hmm. Picture, but it, it it did not get it, but Paul Meskel did get nominated, which is awesome. Andrea Riseborough, who has a ton of uh, theater credits, but most recently starred as Mrs. Wormwood in the film adaptation of Matilda the Musical. She was nominated in one of the most interesting campaigns for Best Actress for her performance in To Leslie. This is one of those things where like nobody had even heard of this movie. No one was talking about her performance. And then yeah, a, bunch of, a bunch of celebrities started tweeting about it, starting with her former Birdman co-star Ed Norton. And then a bunch of other people started talking about it. Gwyneth Paltrow hosted kind of like a viewing party and, tw- and Instagrammed about it. Uh, it all seems, if you interesting. read... Yeah, if you read Matt Bellany's piece over at Puck News... Talks about how this was like just a really smart campaign by her manager slash agent, whoever it was, to like get the word out since the studio wasn't doing a whole lot. Yeah, and it ended I up guess working. So. Wow. So- so that's great. Of course, the indomitable star of stage and screen, Angela Bassett, was also nominated for Best Supporting Actress for her performance Damn in right. Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Um, Diane Warren was nominated for her 14th Academy Award, has never won. She is going to get an honorary award this year, even if she doesn't win in this category. Uh, of course, Martin McDonough who is one of the best writers and also now directors on both stage and screen, was uh, nominated for the original screenplay for The Banshees of Anna Sharon. Steven Spielberg and Tony Kushner were nominated in that same category for writing The Fablemans. Um, Just a ton of really good stuff, and I'm sure I'm overlooking stuff. Um, I will read through all of the... um, the the best picture uh nominees if you want but i do have a link in the show notes from some random writer at some random site on how you can stream every single nominee if you would like to i have no idea how where random. i found this yeah just randomly found it i'm sure nobody that was happens watching to them be in a real lot. time yeah yeah uh, yeah just randomly looking for this stuff nobody was watching them in real time trying to uh, trying to type them as they went but the best picture nominees are a german foreign film the adaptation of the all quiet on the western front novel avatar the way of water the aforementioned banshees of inishirin and an elvis which is not theater but it is musically tangential uh, so that one was nominated the aforementioned everything everywhere all at once the fablemans the steven spielberg kind of semi-autobiographical biopic. Tar, which does focus on a problematic orchestra conductor and composer played by regular theater great Kate Blanchett. Yeah. Uh, also, t- Top Gun Maverick. Okay. Um, tri- <laughs> Triangle yeah. of Sadness, which is one I don't know a ton about. I've heard uh, so many good things about it, and I still need to see it. But uh, it was one of those that I had heard absolutely nothing about until maybe three weeks ago, where 
everyone was saying it was one of the funniest, best movies they've seen really? in a while. Yeah. I, ha- I have someone that I, a friend of mine on Twitter today said it's one of the worst movies they've ever seen. So it's different strokes, different well, strokes for different folks. Yeah. And then the, the last nominee was one that I think a lot of people were very happy about. It was women talking, which is, a, which really feels like a play. The way it is constructed, it's about a group of Mennonite women who come to terms with uh, sexual assaults committed by their colonies men and how they want to uh, react to it um, in in their colony mm-hmm. in in Manitoba uh, the Manitoba colony in Bolivia so uh, star studded movie there as well uh, produced and co starring the great Francis McDormand as well absolutely. So, so many great things. Uh, I have not seen Funny many year. of these movies. I've not yeah, seen I'm a ton very of these. behind. I'm very, very behind. I've seen Banshees and I've seen everything everywhere all at once, of course. Um, that's, I, I, you know, I've seen some of, uh, some of the shorts, some of the animated, but I'm really behind yeah. on the features, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, there's not anything in the best picture race. So I'm just like, okay, I'm going to skip that one. There's always one or two, but none I'm, this year. I'm good with Avatar. I've seen it. So I saw it. It is what my yeah, brother is like an obsessive right. Avatar fan. So that's I'm going to see that. <laughs> All Quiet on the Western Front might just because it's in German and I don't, I'm not a big war movie fan. I famously fell asleep in the theater for both the thin red line <laughs> and uh-huh. saving private Ryan. Of course. So I mean, they're know. not. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. not my thing. Um, yeah. but. I've seen Avatar. I've seen everything everywhere all at once. Um, I've seen Top Gun Maverick. I'm going to try to see the rest of them. Um, I always see all of the, at least the, the live action and animated yeah, shorts. Usually. I always, I try to see the, the documentary ones as well, but I'm going to try to see as many of these as possible because like you said, a lot of these are just like, they're not all blockbuster movies, but it feels like there's more accessible films this year than in recent years. And they're not all great. And some people are going to have differences. That's what kind of annoys me is like, everyone gets all upset about what the nominations mean. And obviously there is no women were nominated for best director after, after winning two in a row. So that's like, that's annoying. Um, And that is still annoying. And it's a recurring theme. And it's one of those things where it's just like, of course not. And especially, of course, not in the films that we've been talking about constantly all, you know, at least for the last six months being or even longer with everything everywhere all at once and Tar and Banshees and the Fablemans. Like, uh, those are the ones that are going to get the director nods and have been the forefront of the conversation for months now. So there was kind of no hoping for a woman director unless something surprising popped in. Yeah, I mean, I think the Till and the Woman King and even Women Talking, yeah. like those were all things that were in contention for some of those other awards. Um, didn't always make them in every category. And I completely understand that. I'm not talking about this, but I, my, my issue is just how like, this is a day of celebration and we do it with the Tony Awards too. It's like, we don't always have to immediately like attack things that and people that are nominated as not deserving because our favorite thing didn't get there. Like I'm totally sure. good with. With talking about like, oh, this is something that this trend is is bad and problematic, but that doesn't mean that like we have to automatically like 
poop on all of the other things that did sure, get, no, uh, get recognized. So. And I, but I think they can also exist hand in hand. I think you can sure. say same day criticize, especially when things are glaring. I don't think there's anything that was this, or, you know, that was that glaring this year. There obviously yeah. have been in previous years and certainly for previous award shows. I mean, look what happened with the Golden Globes and to the point where they had to shut down <laughs> for at yeah, least and- a year. Yeah, and I'm not even talking about not talking about. I'm talking about like putting down the nominees that did get included, right? For the sake of that, yeah. Which is why I'm saying I think that things can exist in the same hand, and a lot of people don't do that exactly. Just be classy about it. Yeah. Speaking of organizations that give out awards, finally doing something classy. Yesterday, the Outer Critics Circle announced that their 72nd annual award ceremony will take place on May 25th. And that they will get rid of gendered acting categories. Thank goodness. For, yeah. I, we've talked about this. You and I have talked about this. Grace and I have talked about this. You and Grace might have talked about this. Like, I feel like the Tonys have to do it this year. I don't know that they will, I but they absolutely be, should. Yeah. It would be ridiculous to not. Especially yeah. when, I mean, there's at least one or I, I'm struggling at the moment. There's at least two. There's at least two. Uh, actors, non-binary actors who are on that stage in at least featured roles. So what are yeah, you one doing? One lead, one featured. Yeah. yeah me- what are you doing other than putting these actors yeah. completely out of the running? Cause there's no other opportunity or forcing nominators to put them in categories that they don't belong in, yeah, which exactly. is, which is a horrible, like I, as a nominator and the- so many levels. Yeah, like, I don't know what you do as a nominator if you're not actually involved in, like, making the discussion or making the decision as to how you do the categories. If you're just a nominator, like, what do you do for, you know, in those situations? But anyway, um, the Outer Critics Circle has decided uh, to do that. The OCC includes writers from national publications and out-of-town newspapers that cover New York theater. Um, They will make their announcements on May 16th. I think this is a great step forward and something that all award ceremonies should be doing in today's day and age. And it's I not think hard. No, it's so easy. No, it is. And I understand what a lot of, a lot of the concern. And I, I am with there with people saying, well, if you go to only genderless categories, do you only give one best performer award? Right. No, give, give two. Who cares? Yeah. Just come up with a creative way to do it. It's not that hard. I understand the concern about limiting the awards and not giving, giving, having the opportunity to give out the praise and, and having, then use it for marketing. But like, yeah. And then also having out. things be completely stacked. Like that's, uh, you know, again, talking about the Oscars, that's been a conversation yeah. for years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and talking about all directors men. too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You end up with all, you know, not necessarily the best director, but, but if you did that for best actor, right. it would all be men likely, at least for the first few years until enough outcry happened which is always what happens yeah oscars so male or something that would be yeah, the, yeah, the hashtag. Exactly. yeah but again figure it out like put in guardrails to make sure that doesn't yeah. happen uh you know do you whatever. have all like, year that's the thing it's not it like it's not like you're constantly doing events where this needs to happen you have a year between each ceremony of which extensive planning happens even though it usually doesn't feel like it on our end but it it's not when you get enough people in a room as long as the, I mean, that's probably the caveat. As long as the different voices in the room are different enough from one another, you're going to figure out the ideas and the answers to the questions that you need. Yep. 
Absolutely. All right, real quick, I want to dive into last week's Broadway grosses. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on them because they obviously are still coming down from the uh, holiday high. They saw Broadway saw six fewer shows last week than the previous week, so there were only 23 shows running on Broadway last week. That means the grosses dropped nearly a quarter of what they were in the previous week, down 24% to $25,835,362. 204,847 people showed up to the theater. And with the Music Man now closed, we have a new king of the mountain in terms of Broadway grosses. Oh, man. Do you want to guess what it is, Ashley? Um, hmm. No, I don't. Okay, great. Thank you for wasting that five seconds while you thought of it. Um, it, it is, in fact, a show that is scheduled to close in April. The Phantom of the Opera was the only show to gross more than $2 million last week. It grossed $2,227,185, including a nearly $47,000 bump from the previous week. Hamilton was in second at $1.95 million, followed by Funny Girl at $1.93, then The Lion King at $1.8, and Wicked at $1.66. The rest of the million-dollar grossing clubs in descend- uh, shows in descending order are MJ, Moulin Rouge, Cursed Child, Aladdin, A Beautiful Noise, the piano lesson six and and juliet down at the other end of the scale between riverside and crazy which we're going to talk about here in a second actually i might as well just say it now it's our next story up between riverside and crazy did extend for one more week at second stage it will now run through february 19th it's not doing great at the box office but this is a subscription house with second stage that's how these things work. Yeah, exactly. The collaboration for Manhattan Theater Club was next on the list. Also a show that has maxed out its extensions because we have summer 1976 coming in right after. Pictures from home and it's still uh, early previews at Studio 54 grossed 413,000. It only did four, uh, seven shows last week. Then what I'm guessing will probably be the Tony winner for best musical and hopefully get a bump from nominations and wins Kimberly Akimbo was mm-hmm. at 538,000. And then Take Me Out, which is rounding into, no baseball pun intended, rounding into its final weeks on Broadway in its return run at the Schoenfeld, uh, came in at $545,000. Similar to what we saw in terms of the top of the Grosses Mountain, Phantom of the Opera was the only show to have a capacity over uh, 101%. It came in at 101.12%, just continually doing things that make you really wonder why they're closing, and then you realize why they're closing, and then then it all makes sense. You wonder less, yeah. You wonder less. Uh, Okay, so another really interesting story. It was announced on Tuesday that a new musical called A Wonderful World, which tells the story of the life of the life and loves of Louis Armstrong will have its premiere in New Orleans and Chicago this fall prior to Broadway and that it will star Tony winner James Monroe Iglehart. Now, this is not its world premiere because I was supposed to see this show essentially three years ago. I drove down to Miami to see this show when I got there. They had canceled all the performances because Oh, yeah. yeah. I very vaguely remember that. Yeah. It was conceived by Tony nominee Kristen Renshaw and novelist Andrew Delaplane, and it features an original book by Oren Squire, who was a former regular contributor to the one of my favorite theater podcasts of all time that did not occur in this podcast feed called The Maximu Podcast. Ah. Um, and it features many songs made popular by Louis Armstrong. Um, and so this is uh, very nice. exciting. It, very it will good play, casting. 
Yeah, it'll play in New Orleans from October 1st through the 8th before moving to the Cadillac Palace Theater in Chicago from October 11th through the 29th, presumably meaning they would like to come into Broadway in the spring of 2024. Yeah, I think the press release that I got very clearly called it Broadway bound. So it's aiming. Yeah, whether it's actually going to end up there or not, I don't know. But like, this feels like a property that would do well on Broadway, especially with someone like James leading it. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It was also announced yesterday that the Keen Company will continue its 23rd season by having the first New York revival of the 1995 Lynn Nottage play Crumbs from the Table of Joy. It will run at Theater Row from February 21st through April 1st. It was Nottage's professional playwriting debut. So that's very exciting. It is set against the social politics of the 1950s and is a charming, funny, and moving play that follows 17-year-old Ernestine Crump as she adjusts to life after the passing of her beloved mother. We see, I mean, literally, Lynn Nottage has a new show on or off Broadway Thank like, God. <laughs> every year. But I think it's so cool to go back and see the, the show that really started her career. So this is a great opportunity yeah. for people who love Lynn Nottage to see a show that doesn't get done very often. Obviously, she is the best, and it is so great to, you know, to see her mm-hmm. get all this work constantly and as a result like her name is now so well known in the city when grace and i went uh to see year of magical thinking last week with the keen company they had announced this in the room oh, awesome. and you just saw everyone perk up at lenotage's name and just made me so so happy absolutely um the last little bit of news here that i want to talk about is also very exciting especially for somebody who loved and adored the TV show Lost, but Audible announced a multi-project development deal and a first-look deal with award-winning actor, director, and producer Daniel Day Kim. The collaboration will kick off with an Audible version of Yellow Face, which is the David Henry Wong play of the same name. It'll be produced by Audible Studios in conjunction with Daniel Day Kim's production company. Of course, Daniel Day Kim will star as David Henry Wong, who is the central character in his own play, and the great Lee Silverman will direct this Audible thing. We haven't talked about Audible as much lately, although they continue to do great theatrical work. And I love Daniel oh, Day yeah. Kim, love David Henry Wong. David Henry Wong has been a guest Very of mine exciting. here on Carter yeah. Video. So um, this one's always great. So um, let's wrap it up with a recommendation here, Ashley. What Academy Award nominated film and or performance would you like to nominate or would like to recommend to people today? Oh, uh, well, I mean, obviously everything everywhere all at once, and I haven't stopped talking about it for like a year now. Um, I really, really loved Banshees of Inner Sharon, and I think everyone needs mm-hmm. to see it. Not nominated, but I finally watched The Menu, uh, which is- Oh, I haven't is, watched it yet either. Oh, my God. Is it good? <laughs> uh, I don't think I've ever seen a movie- that is so explicitly made for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just the, I just had the a blast. High, the fine dining of it all I certainly helps. Absolute blast! I think I laughed the whole movie, which okay, is great. crazy in and of itself. But yeah, because of the content of the film. Yeah, yeah, you know, sick. But yeah, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend a film that was nominated in the best animated feature film category. This is one that okay. is like. 
semi-animated. In fact, the creator had to prove to the Academy that it was actually animated because they didn't weren't necessarily sure they believed him. It is called Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Oh my god, I love Marcel the Shell. Yeah, and so this is something that's actually been going on for decades now, and the creator had kind of done short film versions of this with multiple sequels, and um, this is kind of like the 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 long form version of it. It was directed by uh, Dean Fleischer Camp, and it stars as the voice of Marcel Jenny Slate, which is really interesting because love Camp, <laughs> Camp yeah Camp and Slate are a former couple and they had broken up yeah. before this and they, they've actually been divorced for a long time. They were married from 2012 through 2016 and but they she returned to do this project with the feature film length after having done the voice in previous versions. So it's just, it's kind of lovely. It's just a, a, a cute mix of like live action and stop motion and it's uh, it's very sweet and very endearing and very weird because it's about a talking shell that wears shoes. Another so. uh, killer movie from A24. They had such a good year at the Oscars this oh. year. Uh, yeah, Everything Everywhere All at Once is like, yep. is the biggest A24 film of all time, but every, yeah. they, they very rarely miss on things as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Alright everybody, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Matt. Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at No, This is Ashley. All right, everybody, have a wonderful Wednesday, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow.